0: 100 episodes so incredibly thankful that we've gotten to number 100 these 100 episodes have been really special to me all the wonderful people that have contributed to them the guests amazing amazing humans who are willing to share their stories with a startup podcast that kind of came out of nowhere i'm so grateful for each and every one of you for the listeners check in regularly and uh, see what I'm up to with my different guests and all the variety of conversations that we're having. I'm just so surprised by all of this. A podcast is not something that I aspired to do a long time ago, but it felt right. It felt like something that I needed to do. I remember one day I was sitting in my kitchen and it just pulled on me. Darian, do a podcast help other people get their stories out. Thank you, from the bottom of my heart, that we can get these stories out through this podcast. Here's to a 100 more.
1: Hello everyone, and this is Dr. D's Social Network, and this episode is Ask Dr. D. Hey Dr. D, Tyler McCune here from copybymeune.com. I'm sitting here looking out over the view in North County San Diego thinking of you. And I think my question is timely and hopefully a question some other people have. Basically, my question to you is with the spread of this crazy virus and it looking like we're not going to be able to have meetups and you know people are actually just quite scared of interacting with each other just on the streets and stuff. How do you view this is going to change networking for us? Because I really view you as a natural networker. And so I'm just curious how you're maybe changing your strategy or what you think that people like me who aren't naturally good at networking can do to continue to develop and strengthen those bonds. Thanks. Looking forward to the answer.
0: Hey, Tyler, thank you so much for providing that question. Tyler, you're an awesome guy. For people who don't know, uh, Tyler has been one of the guests on my podcast, and make sure you check out his episode. Such a heartfelt and warm, uh, loving person who's really curious about networking. So I want to get to the answer to Tyler's question. And right now, we're living in a time where there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, some panic about what's going on with the coronavirus, but also how will we rebound and network in an environment where things may be altered permanently? It makes me think of how things have been altered in the past after large events, and this one may be topping them all, but in terms of networking, I believe that our networking will be altered in the sense that we will have to become much better at using our online networking in the sense that we've used it before primarily as collection agencies. We would go to these different platforms and collect friendships or friends or collect connections, things of that nature, whatever the platform is saying that it is. And we weren't really engaging so much. It was just a collection of people, of likes, some comments, things of that nature. But I think that our networking will become a much more genuine, deep, uh, human-centered aspect of things. I think we'll just be forced to become better at connecting uh, in a more meaningful way online. How do we do that? I think very similar to what we have been doing, reaching out and connecting to people. However, this time, really focusing on the human aspect of it. While a lot of networking, I think, for people, they view it as, let me send you a video, let me send you uh, a copy and paste type of thing. I think we're going to understand that that is less important. What's more important is the deepening of bonds between people. So more personal interaction because we're going to crave it. We're going to need it because things are going to change. I think that's important for people to understand is we're not going back to how things used to be. It's kind of like the concept of coming home. We always expect that home will be different, or should I say, sorry, home will be the same when we come back. We want to have all those same feelings, all the same meals, all the same memories, but home is always different as you come back to it throughout the years, and our homes and our way of living and our way of connecting will be different and changed forever because of the pandemic, because of this virus. So for Tyler, I think for people who are saying they're maybe not natural networkers, it's really going to be a time to grow your presence online in a more meaningful way versus a a more commerce way. What I think is interesting is we're going to have to really unravel that because even during these times right now, when we're really in the thick of it, I'm still seeing people sending things that are very commerce centered when really it should be human centered don't send messages or network people Network people about business right now. Send them messages about their humanity and how they're feeling, how they're adjusting, how their mental, psychosocial aspect of things are going. Be more human to people. That's the future of networking, more humanity. Thanks for your time, Tyler. And again, Tyler is an amazing person, guys. I hope you check him out. And uh, make sure to listen to his uh, episode on the podcast. It was really awesome. Thanks, Tyler. My question is,
1: how did it feel doing a virtual personal training session for the first time? So I can imagine going from live to virtual brought its let's say, own little challenges with it. Looking forward
0: to your answer. Thanks, Joe Shuel, for the question. For those of you uh, listening, Joe Shuel is an amazing person. Uh, His episode on my podcast was probably the longest one that I've had, clocking in at uh, one hour and 37 minutes. We talked literally about everything from mythology aliens, hip hop, everything in between. It was really an awesome episode. But I want to answer your question, Joshua. So what was it like going from in-person training to the first time I had uh, a live virtual training session? That was probably about three plus years ago when I first started doing it. And the first time I did it, I remember I did it on uh, a laptop uh, in a basement. And I thought, I'm not sure how this is going to be. I'm not sure if this will be good enough to mimic what I've always known, which is in-person training. But I quickly learned that in that first session that I was able to create a similar feeling, a vibe that I had in person with people. You see, having the the live element, which I think really makes it go. Without the live element, you're just doing a recording, which is fine but it takes away the, the feeling, the vibe that you get from or the kind of the accountability of being in front of somebody. That first time just projecting that out and having them answer the call and we're talking online and I'm taking them through their progressions. It was weird, honestly. It was, it was strange. I wouldn't say it was hard. It was just different. It was like I was being catapulted into a very different space and environment that I was used to, but also was unfamiliar at the same time. So there was definitely a learning curve and adjustment, but I also realized extremely quickly that this was a viable service. And it was one that could be transformational. And I would say those three plus years ago when I was doing it, it was really not on anyone's radar. And even up until probably last year, it really wasn't on a lot of people's radar as well, but it started accelerating with different companies who have been out there in the market doing that. And then now, unfortunately, but, you know, with the coronavirus and people being home and things of that nature, people really having to look at the virtual space as a place for working out. And I think people are going to see that it's going to be incredibly effective to getting um, quality workouts in, but especially it needs to be with the right person, the right trainer who understands that. You're almost in a more intimate, um, kind of tunnel space, and that requires quite a bit of charisma, charisma and style, and knowledge, and coaching. There's a huge package that you have to put together uh, as a trainer to be able to do it effectively. So, it was an adjustment. It was something that um, I think the big takeaway is I knew that it, it had legs after that first session. So. Uh, And ever since then, it's certainly grown quite a bit for me. So thanks again for the question, Joshua. And uh, again, man, you're awesome. I appreciate you.
1: Hi, this is Michelle, your wife. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your primary motivation for starting your podcast and what makes you continue on with your
0: podcast. Thanks to my wife for submitting a question for this. Uh, when I asked, you know, a variety of people to submit questions for these things, I wasn't sure who would get back to me and what questions I would get. Uh, but thank you, Shell, for providing this question. For me, the, pod- the podcast, my motivation was that uh, I'm constantly spending time talking to people regularly. And I've said this to so many people throughout the years is that, you know, I have about six to seven networking calls a week. And I started thinking to myself, these should be recorded. I should actually make this into a podcast because then people could see, so they could hear these wonderful conversations that I'm having with these amazing people. And hopefully that it would inspire them to have more networking conversations without an agenda just to chat, just to learn, just to grow. And I've been having these conversations for over a decade and I wanted them to come to light and not be in, you know, the back of the room or the back of the house. I wanted them to have legs legs out in the public. And it's exciting that it's getting out there and that people are listening and it's growing every single day, the listenership. And so Um, I want to keep doing it because I think it's a worthwhile task. It's worthwhile to get people's stories out there to make sure that they're heard. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has a reason. Um, Everybody has an opportunity to get out there, whether it's their hardships, struggles, their wins, their triumphs, whatever it is, and everything in between. Everybody deserves their story to be heard, in my opinion. And I like to have the platform to be able to provide that for people. So I'll continue to do it. I think you guys are going to be surprised and excited about the different guests that we have coming on. Um, at this point, the podcast is becoming, uh, it's still about health and wellness, but it's becoming more about the interests I have in my mind and the guests reflecting what's going on in my brain, brain and the events that are going on and the topics that interest me and also that are interesting to my audience. So um, I will continue on, and I'm happy to do that. Thank you so much, y'all, for asking the question, and uh, just exciting to continue to uh, answer these questions. I really appreciate it. Dr. D, this is your brother Word, and my question for you is this. As we're moving towards the summer, and if you want to lean down and build more lean mass... Or lean muscle is it better to do low weight and high reps or reverse that and do heavy weight and maybe medium to low uh, reps i've always believed you do high reps but you have the expertise so that's my question is it better to do high reps low weights when you're looking to build a lean muscle mass I love getting questions from a variety of people. And this question is from my brother, uh, Anthony, or AKA Wordsmith, uh, a national and international um, touring uh, musician, artist. And I, um, I love my brother dearly. And I'm so grateful that he submitted this question. So thanks, Ant. Um, the question's an interesting one in the sense of, you know, leaning out, headed towards the summer, Having these questions now very interesting with all, everything that's going on in our world with uh, coronavirus and where our thoughts are and things of that nature. And, but, but I think it's very relevant in the sense that as people are moving now probably to more on the online environment, because their gyms are closed with everything, there's really a need for advice on what's going on and, and how to still meet your goals. So I want to back it up and really look at it in a different sense. Really, it's really about a stimulus. So much of what we've known, especially is you know, lifting heavy, gets you larger. And maybe if we do more endurance-based exercise, lean out, I really want you to look at this from the point of view is that there's just a lot of research that shows a lot of benefit to leaning down or being stronger and having more endurance and a variety of different uh, rep ranges, uh, weights, and that nature. The real goal is providing the proper stimulus in order to to provide a result. And we know that if you provide a stimulus to, the same stimulus to 30, 40 people, you're going to get a different result from those 30, 40 people uh, for that. And so our response to exercise is highly individualized because we're very different people. But a good rule of thumb is, are you providing a stimulus? And is that stimulus something that is making you slightly uncomfortable, or even more uncomfortable, or very uncomfortable to cause a chronic adaptation where you're seeing changes on a variety of level levels um, inside and outside the body? For that, we know that things change within our body if that stimulus is great enough, and then it causes changes. Let's say in cardiac output, stroke volume. Um, muscular uh, size and hypertrophy, endurance, mitochondrial changes, um, increase in uh, alveolar uh, beds, capillary lining, density, all these great, amazing scientific terms. These things change uh, when we provide the appropriate stimulus for that. So I don't necessarily like to come from the point of view of like this specific thing is going to help you to lean out or get better. because. The answer is for that. I don't know. I think that's going to depend on how you respond to a stimulus or an intensity that is enough to cause a change. And, And for many people who have listened to my podcast or they've listened to me in other podcasts, I make it very clear. Are you exercising? Are you doing physical activity? Or are you doing movement? Those things are not the same thing. In order to cause a change, uh, or a result, there needs, you need to be exercising. You need to provide a stimulus that is greater than what you're used to. If you're continuing to just do physical activity where there's really no stimulus or just movement, you will have very little results. Certainly, it's good for you, and there are a lot of internal changes and some external changes that you might see, uh, but it's not going to be as great as if you're providing uh, a regular or gradual stimulus uh, to your body. The other part of that equation is really a large part of how you look and the, uh, the sense of the aesthetics is based off of your nutrition. And that is a whole huge mind-blowing field of uh, opinion, research, um, editorials related to that, which is also highly dependent upon your biology and genetics and how you respond to different foods and how it makes you feel. So I think the overall takeaway for the question is, uh, really, it's hard to tell what works best for each individual person, because as an individual person, the results are going to vary. Thanks, brother, for the question, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Is training online or training in person harder, and why? Thanks, Brittany, for the question. Um, I love answering questions about um, live online training. I think it's certainly a hot button topic and something that as we've gone into this new day and age of how our society is functioning, with the world changing at rapid speed, that uh, online training is becoming a huge opportunity for a lot of people, uh, a lot of my colleagues. Uh, So Brittany, thank you for the question. And also guys, Brittany's amazing. I have a monthly phone call with Brittany as part of my networking uh, with people, and um, it's just great to be there for each other and connecting with each other about a variety of topics, just being supportive. And so, it's something I enjoy doing. And I certainly wanted to see if Brittany wanted to contribute wanted to contribute a question for this. So here's the answer. Um, let's say training online versus in person. One of the biggest biggest aspects of it is just I don't, I think it is much harder in the sense that it requires a lot more, um, of being on, let me explain that. So as someone who has trained, um, in person, the majority let's say 18 out of the almost 20 years I've been training in person training. Um, I think the, what people see about it is they think, oh, this has to be the best option because you're in front of somebody, you're coaching them. You may be doing manual movement of their limbs and things of that nature, help them really understand what they're doing and the presence of having somebody there um, in front of you. And I can honestly say after hundreds and thousands now, has to be thousands of sessions that I've done live virtually that it's it's harder to do the service uh, live virtually, but it's more intimate. And I know if you're listening, you're going to think, how is that possible? How is it more intimate? through the lens of um, a live virtual platform than it is in person. And one of the biggest things is that you have to be on every single time. Not that you're not on uh, quite a bit when you're training people in person, but you're in kind of this tunnel. When you're looking at that screen, that person's looking right back at you and you're having constant eye contact or communication. Whereas in person, there's a lot of time where you're actually not looking at the person or having that consistent eye contact like it's constant. You know, there's when you're in a gym environment, there's a lot going on, other people there. And in my experience, a lot of clients, you know, they're talking to other people in between breaks and things of that nature. They're going to the water fountain, maybe going to the bathroom. A variety of things are kind of taking kind of that central, really intimate feeling away. And then you have music going on. So there's just a lot of other stimuli going on during your training session in person. Whereas when you're doing it live virtually, the only stimulus is the one between you and that person every single second during that time. You know, during the audio aspect of it, during the uh, visual aspect of it, both people are really laser focused in. And I think it's it's the big difference in the two things for that. So I think it's harder because it requires the trainer to have a much better capability of projecting their personality and their knowledge over the internet or over the platforms that you're using. And I think the personality portion may be the largest part of it. I haven't found that the coaching progressions of exercise is very difficult at all, but I think it's how are you getting a feel for your clients? How are they understanding your personality through that platform? Does that shine through on that? And I can say that if you do it well, clients notice it. They feel very close to you. Uh, they feel connected, and uh, they love the platform. Primarily, also because it's very convenient for them. They can do it almost anywhere that there's a good connection. Additionally, it takes away some friction points, such as travel time. Um, you know, being at the gym with other people. There may be some like uh, their comfort level of being around a bunch of people. Um, maybe they had, need to have daycare or things that nature that they need to have taken care of. Usually that goes away with this. And so you're giving people time back. You're saving them money as well with that. So, um, I would say, yes, it is harder, but it is the wave of the future. If done well, it can be incredibly powerful. And it's something that for the last three years, I kind of dabbled into initially and then eventually went into it full time. And I can tell you that I am definitely more used to doing it live virtually than I am in person now. It actually feels more normal to do it that way. Whether that's a good way, good thing or not, time will tell. But I can tell you that it's been an incredibly positive experience and one that after you get over the initial hump of it, um, starts to become something you, you can see as being a life-changing aspect as a trainer, especially as I'm working from home or on the beach or wherever I'm at. And um, it has changed not only my lifestyle, but my client's lifestyles as well for that. So Brittany, thank you for the question and I look forward to our next uh, call.
1: Hey, Darian, it's Michelle Zellner. You know, I'm a fangirl and I love that you are doing an Ask Dr. D segment. So I am curious Now that you have been going, I don't know, almost a year, not quite, um, what is most surprising to you about uh, doing the podcast, having all the conversations that you've had? What do you find most surprising that obviously you probably had no clue was um, going to happen when you started doing this? And I would love to know if there's also anything that has really kind of caught you off guard. And uh, yeah, that's what I have. I can't wait to hear your answer. And I can't wait to see you soon. Bye bye.
0: Man, Michelle Zellner. Guys, I have to tell you, uh, well one, Michelle, thank you so much for the question. You are amazing. Michelle is one of my favorite people. Uh, she was also on the podcast and check out her episode and uh, she's gonna be back on again soon, which is great. But uh, Michelle, um, is somebody that I have a regular networking conversation with. Uh, we developed a nice friendship, and she is probably the number one fan uh of my podcast. And so I'm I'm grateful for the question, Michelle. So let's get to the answer. Any surprises with the podcast? In all honesty, probably the biggest surprise is that I didn't recognize that there were so many people out there that want to share their story. Um And a lot of those stories are stories of a lot of pain and heartbreak and overcoming tragedy and just really raw and gritty. And I think what's really caught me off guard is how honest people are. And I think people are so honest sometimes that even... Um, when they listen back to their episode, I think it jars them. They're surprised at how how honest they were during the episode. I mean, I've had people contact me and said, I think I overshared on that. I, I said too much. And this is my advice to uh, people who are coming on the show um, uh, very soon. You don't worry about oversharing. Your story is your story. And your story is going to help someone incredibly um, overcome whatever they're doing. And let's make it clear, not all of the podcasts are about, you know, difficult stories and stuff. They're amazing stories, great content, information and health and wellness and beyond and lots of funny podcasts as well. But I, I am personally really connected to and get really riled up in a really positive way by the stories of people overcoming really severe things um, from the story of Gary Stotler, losing 200 pounds and the heartbreak, losing friends as you're transforming and changing to this other person, to Michelle Collins and um, talking about the suicide of her late husband and cancer and just so many incredible things um, that people talk about, domestic abuse, um, Family issues, uh, growing up. Courtney wisely growing up in, in an incredibly hostile situation, and discussing that her biological father murdering um, her step uh, stepmother, like just incredibly jarring conversations. Super honest conversations, and but I would say most people they want to have those conversations. They want to talk about their pain because they want other people to learn from it and to help them. And I've had so many people say, I hope my episode helps other people. I think that's completely beautiful. And it's difficult to hear about murder, um, to hear about losing people in your life from a variety of things and um, people who have gone through traumatic experiences. Very difficult to hear about that. People losing their jobs and just climbing back up from the ashes. That certainly all this has caught me off guard. I, I initially thought I was going to be talking about a lot of fitness and wellness and nutrition, and things of that nature. And what I've learned is that the show has become a healing place. It's become an information place and it's become uh, a place of family. I feel like all the guests are part of my family and we're connecting. And I hope that all of our, all of the guests on my show continue to grow and learn and love other people and i think i said this in a post not too long ago on linkedin like i want to love because i've been loved amazingly well in my life i want to show the love that has been given to me and the podcast is a way for me to do that and so i love all of my guests i'm so pumped that they're on and for the future Guests that are coming on, got a lot of them lined up that you guys are going to be unbelievably pumped to listen to. Um, I love you already. I think you're amazing. And I look forward to our conversations. Uh, Thank you, Michelle Zellner, for your uh, questions. And I wish we could see each other soon and meet for the first time. But as you know, what this is, the world is changing and we're working through this time of coronavirus that. I'm hopeful that one day we will be able to do that. So thanks again, Michelle.
1: Hey, Darian. This is Dr. Hayes Estes, Premier Physical Therapy in Clearwater, Florida. I was a guest on your podcast a few months ago, and um, I was calling in with a question for you. Um, What do you do or say to someone who says to you, no, thanks, I don't need your services. I can just find stuff on the internet to do to make me feel better, make me move better, make me more fit. Because we find that a lot here uh, in our practice. And I was curious as to what your response is. Hope you're doing well. And I appreciate what you do.
0: Hayes. Oh, man. Love me some Hayes STs, man. Hayes is an awesome dude out there in Florida and you know we had a very powerful conversation off air before we even got on air and um Hayes you're just an awesome dude you really are I highly encourage other people to meet Hayes and he's a very honest integrity driven person and uh, just love my conversations with Hayes so let's get to Hayes question so or answering that question um it's interesting when people say, hey, I don't need your service. I can find it online and uh, it'll help me get fit or become healthier or help me from getting injured. And, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing because, yes, there's a lot of information out there. We have more information um, at the tip of our fingers than we've ever had in the history of humans. We can look something up immediately and find the answer to it. The tricky thing about having too many answers is that a lot of those answers aren't necessarily the right answers. And Yes, you may be be able to go to YouTube or Instagram or anywhere on the net and say, let me have, let me find a workout. You can find thousands and thousands and thousands of workouts and uh, pieces of advice and some of it reputable, some of it not. Um, But I would say that here's some guidelines here. Um, I'm talking to somebody, I say, hey, is the is what you're getting kind of a, a blanket routine, a scaled routine? So they say, oh, I want to do this workout. I found it on YouTube, yada, yada, yada. That workout was not made for you. It was put out there so that a, a variety of people can do it, and the results will vary. To think you're going to get something off the internet and that it's going to be very specific to help you Change your body and uh, change everything happening inside you. Um, it's not the the right way of thinking about it. It may get you moving. It may initially be exercise for you. May um, move into physical activity, wherever it may be. But doesn't mean that it's going to work actually for you. Here's the thing to understand about about working out, and I try to keep it as. You know, I have a lot of education, a lot of background on this, but I think in order for that to be translated to the larger public in a way that is understood, I think it needs to be simplified. We don't need to make it super technical. We don't need to make it something where it's just uh, jargon that, that people can understand. When I'm talking to people who say, hey, listen, here's the deal. When you're looking about workouts, looking at workouts, I think it's really trial and error. I'm not going to say one thing works and one thing doesn't work. If somebody says does this workout work, or is this program, is this system work? Does orange theory work? Does CrossFit work? Does HIT work? No, this. My, I don't know. I, I know there's research that supports it, and a lot of things that says, hey, this uh, type of exercise or working out, this intensity or the stimulus is positive for you. But but in the end, we know that there's so much biodiversity that we are all different creatures in many ways. So yes, it may work. And yes, it may not work also. And that's a double whammy with that in a sense that when you find things online, you truly have no clue if it's going to be uh, working out for you. And then the hard part about that is then you don't have the guidance after afterwards to continue to provide you that dynamic progression to understand to be able to carve that out for you and to provide a guideline that is specific just for you by looking at you observing you watching your movements understanding your biomechanics the, anything online is it's not going to do that for you so it's actually going to be harder for you more than likely to probably get the results you want online you may get something quick the access quick you may get it for free but in the end it's not going to have a long-term progression of knowing your body and knowing what you're going to need over a period of time and the other thing I think, Hayes, to add to this is that your body is not a quick fix mechanism for that. Just going online and getting something, which I basically look at as fast food. You're going online to get fast food. You're trying to get an immediate fix. But really what you need is a long-lasting energy. You need, you need whole foods in the sense of exercise. You know, You need things that are going to move you in all different directions then you need a professional to help you with that. I firmly believe, and research shows this tremendously, that supervised versus unsupervised uh, workout programs have a huge disparity. People who are in supervised programs get considerably better results. I'm not saying what they did. I'm not saying, hey, I'm promoting this program or that program, but we know supervised versus unsupervised, the results are drastically different because you're getting guidance, you're getting specialized attention, and those people initially don't know what works for you either completely, but they can start learning. They can start knowing after the trial and error and really start gearing it towards you. You will not achieve that by finding things online. You won't. So really when talking to people, I just try to provide them with very simple um, information this works uh, versus that works, I don't, you know, depends. It really depends. I know it sounds like I'm not giving an answer because I'm saying I'm not sure if it works or not, but it's the truth. I mean, if somebody tells me, does this workout program work better than that program? My answer is I have no clue. I don't know. I don't know what your response to both would be. Let's try them all and see what works better for you. Let's look at your super compensation levels. How much are you sleeping? What are you eating? All these things affect how well you're going to go into that workout, the results of the workout, whatever it is. So I think um, it's multifactorial, but it's also simple in the sense that we need to try. We need to see what works for you, um, and you can try that online. uh, But it's what happens after that, the guidance, the evaluation um, the, the observation, you're not going to get that online, but you will get that in person. So I know that was pretty long winded. <laughs> I probably could have got to the point a little bit better on that. But thank you, Hayes, so much um, for the question. Hayes, you're the man. I really care about you. I'm grateful that we know each other. Loved your episode on the podcast. And I look forward to chatting with you soon.